Welcome to Branching Out, a podcast presented by the reporters and editors of the Acorn Newspapers, offering you a closer look at the news in your community. All right. Welcome to another edition of Branching Out with the Acorn Newspapers. It is Monday, August 17th, and I know that because we did not record this intro once already. Uh, uh, So, I know words. What we're going to be discussing today is not... Well, you're not going to be hearing much discussion from us. Kyle, you interviewed somebody. Tell me about it. Yeah, I got to sit down this week with Pastor Kirk DeWitt. Uh, local pastor of a church here in Thousand Oaks, with uh, all the discussions we've been having going on about uh, Godspeak Church in Newberry Park. I wanted to get uh, the perspective of another church, another house of worship here in the area to talk about what it's been like staying open and trying to keep a congregation going and worshiping during the pandemic. Uh, Kirk has been a uh, Really well known in the Caneo Valley. Uh, not only is his father, Larry DeWitt, the founder of Calvary Community Church, one of our largest churches in the area in Westlake Village, but his wife, Stacy, she is the founder of a nonprofit, James Storehouse, which we've written about a lot in the Acorn. They do a lot for foster kids. Um, but Kirk's got a, like I said, a long history in the Conejo and really uh, shared a lot about you know, his perspective on how he's been managing uh, this during this tough time uh, with all the restrictions changing. And he did. We did spend some time speaking about uh, God speak and, and their decision and Pastor Rob McCoy. And interestingly enough, they have known each other for quite a long time. Um, and we, we, we just covered the gamut. I heard a lot I was surprised about that I didn't know about Kirk. Uh, and I think people maybe that even know him that are listening to this are going to find out something new about him as well. So without further ado, we did go a little bit long, but hopefully everyone enjoys our discussion. Let's, let's get right into it. Here's my interview with Kirk DeWitt. Right, Kirk, first let me just thank you for, for uh, coming out here to the Acorn offices. It just struck me it has been almost six months since I had an in-person interview um, and, and how much I miss it. And, and we talk about that human connection and I've talked, had so many phone conversations, but, uh, we did take some safety precautions. You wore a mask coming in. We're now sitting at least six feet apart. I've got a really long extension on our mics. So just so everyone knows we're taking those safety precautions, but I did want to get a chance to sit down with you because I think we have some real important things to talk about. So you know, thanks it. for, thanks for coming here. Thanks for having me as your first live <laughs> interview. So I always like to start off, uh, on this, uh, this podcast with some background and your maybe your Caneo credentials. We always talk about when you meet people, it's it's how long you've lived here. You know, how many years? Is it 30, 40 now? I know you your family came here actually you, you didn't grow up here, but you moved yeah. here at, at a young age, ten years yeah. old, right? Yeah, ten years old. Tell me about that story. Yeah, we've been here since the late seventies, uh seventy six and uh moved out here from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh What was that like? A Mercury marquee with a travel trailer to start a church. So, wow. yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy. I thought my parents were nuts. <laughs> uh, and I used to brag about, you know, how long I've been in the Caneo. Yeah. <laughs> and then I married a girl who was born at Lost Railways Hospital wow. and spent her whole life here at CLU and everything. Wow. So, oh, she checks all the boxes. Yeah, right? every box. Yeah, no, and, yeah. and it's amazing to meet the people <laughs> like that. Um, so, so for people that, that don't know, if you don't mind, you know, your, your father, Larry, yeah. uh, he's... 
I would call it maybe an, an elder statesman of, of the faith community here in the Canal Valley, and I think most people know him as. Uh, and is it, is it correct to call him the founder of Calvary yeah. Community Church for, sure, yeah. um, for I think forty years as pastor? And, and everyone, anyone who doesn't know Calvary Community, that's that really large church, beautiful church, right next uh, to the freeway there in Westlake Village, right next to Oaks Christian, uh, one of our larger churches. Um, tell me about yeah, growing up with a father who you know founded a church like that, and what role you had in, in, in its yeah. founding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing to see Calvary grow because in the 70s we were at uh, Los Robles Golf Course and then moved to uh, uh, Young Set Club for kids programs. And, and then we moved over to um, Via Colinas in Westlake uh, and then to the, the big building that you see now next to Oaks Christian. So it was just crazy to see the, the place thrive. And I think Calvary grew because my dad was the real deal. He still is. Mm-hmm. People can see authentic and not. And he and everybody there had a real heart for the community. They wanted to see they wanted to see Thousand Oaks and Westlake better yeah. because the church was there, not just build a big church. Yeah. And so I always saw a great investment in the community. And like, for instance, whenever there were new city council members, my dad would call them and say, hey, welcome. Yeah. Let me pray for you. I you know, hope you have a really good you know term and yeah. look forward to having you help us and serve us and we want to serve you and so that was that was pretty cool well i mean and the city kind of grew up around i mean i know by the time you moved here it was it was starting to already become a city but yeah. i mean you saw it kind of grow up blow up all around you oh I mean, yeah absolutely it's right place at the right time for sure for for wow. all of that wow and then i was uh on staff at calvary for 20 years okay and uh most of the time working in missions community outreach Anything that Calvary did that was beyond the walls, okay. that was my job. So all over the county, all over the, the, the world. So Give me an idea of some of the places you traveled to. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, big projects uh, in Russia, Uganda, Kenya, Mexico, Haiti, um, where else? Wow. We, um, yeah, Ukraine. Um yeah, lots Unbelievable. of lots of traveling. Well, yeah, was it a was it a foregone conclusion that you would to go into to ministry into this work? Did <laughs> no. you did your siblings or did no? Yeah. In fact, people ask me all the time growing yeah. up, "Are you going to follow your dad's footsteps?" Yeah. And I would smile and laugh and say, "No." And and when I went to my high school reunion, um, uh, Westlake High, <laughs> Warriors, uh, Warriors. we were we were the Thousand Oaks people that went to Westlake. So yeah. anyway, so when I went to that reunion, my ten year, they said, "What are you doing for a living?" And I said, "I'm a pastor," and they thought I was joking. So they literally, that's funny. They didn't I'm see like, it that way. No, seriously, I did. So, was there a moment? I mean, I, I'm sure you've told this story a lot. Was there one moment when where you decided this was your path or you knew it would be? Is there, um, do you remember? Yeah, I, uh, early in my 20s, I ran away from God. And I became a pretty hard, depressed individual. And, uh, and I, I partied a lot. And so I actually got a DUI in Westlake. Uh, went to East Valley Sheriff Station for an overnight stay and uh, went and faced the judge and he gave me a bazillion hours of community service work. And so I said, could I do it at the church because I have connections? And he said, yeah, why not? So so I did wow. all these hours and, and I, I remember like it, was, like it was yesterday, I was driving down the 101 freeway uh, right by Hampshire and, and I, I realized that a couple people that night had said, hey, you really helped me. Hey, I really liked what you had to say. Hey, I really thought, you know, you encouraged me. God really spoke through you. 
And I was like blown away by that. I was like, that you is, see yourself that no way. Yeah. I'm a screw up. Yeah. How in the world is my life accounting for something? Mm-hmm. And I and I just realized then and there I got to change because I want that. I don't want to just have a McJob. Mm-hmm. I want to do something that actually helps people. Yeah. And so I went back to college. I went to grad school. I started pursuing being uh, in ministry mm-hmm. and went to Fuller Seminary in Pasadena and had a, just a really good road. You know, not easy. Yeah. But better than my screwed up life before. Yeah, so when people say, "What was your call to ministry?" I could say it was a DUI. <laughs> So you started, so I think it's about 10 years now, you, you broke and started your own church. So eight, eight years ago. Eight years, okay, yeah. eight years ago. I inherited Conejo Church, and uh, so inherited from a friend okay. uh, who's a serial church planter. So he, he plants churches all over the place and then gives them to indigenous leadership. Interesting. So that's a missionary term, and I didn't realize I was indigenous, no. but I am indigenous to the Conejo Valley. So, so it, I feel like it's a place of hope. And acceptance. It's it's very outward focused rather than inward focused. So we're always looking for ways to encourage and build up and strengthen families and individuals and community. Uh, and uh, we're all different kinds of people. I mean, it's pretty pretty diverse. And and the way that we approach faith and the Bible and everything is just get real practical. Mm-hmm. Who cares what we know if we don't do anything with it? Mm-hmm. And so I will always be telling people, here's what I want you to do about this. Here's how we're putting our faith into practice. And if we're not putting our faith into practice, then we are a mess. And we're hypocritical, and that's part of the problem with the church in America, is we we don't put our uh, our actions where our words are, and it's it's not cool. Um, And we've been at uh, a property on Gainesboro now, near the Oaks Mall, for about two years, a little over that. So we partner with the Thousand Oaks Seventh-day Adventist Church. So their Saturdays and Sundays. Probably. Yeah, it works out, that works out it's well. awesome. Yeah, I live right over there. I have to admit, at first I did not realize about the Saturday yeah. thing with the Seventh-day, and I would show up and I'd see all the cars and go, wait a second. Yeah. Um, but that's a beautiful property, yeah. so you get to use it on Sundays. Yeah, it's been great. Great partnership. So obviously the, the church has been growing. You, you move to a new space here, a beautiful space, and then... March hits. Um, can you kind of take me back to, to March and, and, and maybe that when the, the first orders came down saying no gatherings, you know, basically could not hold services. What, 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 did, what was your, do you remember yeah. your first reaction? Yeah, I remember my, my first reaction was shock. You know, I'm surprised that this is actually getting real. Mm-hmm. Um, and my second reaction was I need to learn. I need to research. So I spent the probably the first week and a half or two weeks on webinars and Zoom calls, and I couldn't, I lost my voice after two days, um, just from trying to phone call people and figure out what's going on and kind of get ahead of the curve so I could understand, what does this mean for churches? What does this mean for our community? Yeah. And and so, uh, and, and we made an, an immediate change to put all of our meetings on Zoom along with everybody else. <laughs> that was the and, first. Everyone, everyone went yeah. boon for Zoom. It was yeah. those days. And all, yeah. I wish I had stock in Zoom <laughs> at that point. And then, and then all of our uh, community groups, which meet all over the, the, uh, the town, you know, in, in homes, those all went to Zoom. Youth went to Zoom. Kids went to Zoom. So, um, yeah, and then the Sunday morning, uh, we're, we were already doing a live stream. Yeah. And so we just decided to do it a little better. Uh, I mean, we're obviously talking about some of the benefits, but, you know, we, we 
talked a lot about how it's, it's obviously not the same thing. There's obviously limitations there, and and you know any of us has to deal with Zoom constantly, and it, it, you know we we still miss that person to person. I'm sure you had dealt with that and felt that way. Um, I mean, how after when did you? I mean, I guess I'm trying to think about when the law changed, and I think the first change was they were gonna they were gonna allow drive up. You could drive up into a parking lot yeah. you could like listen on the radio right yeah now that didn't seem like took advantage of that right because we, we didn't do that yeah. most churches in our area didn't, didn't do it know. just because it was a lot of work impractical right so we did a drive-through where people where we just had our leaders out there to wave at people and say hi and we had signs of verses that are encouraging them and it was it was like a, a homecoming parade. Yeah, yeah so it was that was kind of one time deal but not something yeah we didn't practical. do it all the time yeah um, but when um, when they did start to allow again services, but, but outdoors, how were we able to take advantage of that? Have you been trying? Or when did you start? Hey, what can we do? You know, Zoom is fine, but we really want to be creative about how we can find a way to get together safely. Oh well, yeah, tell yeah. me some of the yeah. Well, it was, it was a little bit of a challenge because some of the people that really wanted to gather were like, you know, who who cares what the governor says? Who cares about, you know, the, this threat? Because we don't really have that big of a threat in, in Ventura County. Let's gather as soon as we can because I miss everybody. And I had a couple people that literally were like, like one person said, um, when I'm at home taking communion alone, I feel so sad and depressed and isolated. And this is awful. Wow. So some people who have kids and family are at home making it through quarantine and going like, this is nice. We actually are planting flowers together. We're hanging in the backyard. We never have a chance to do this. This is good. For a single person who doesn't have a network or doesn't have a family, very different experience. So so I had people, you know, calling me daily, like, we've got to get together. Let's make it happen as soon as we can. Um, and then I had other people saying, no way, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And so we, we got together as soon as we could in the building. And, you know, let's bring everybody together. And we're still doing a live stream, and we had people in there. But people didn't want to come. Really? So I thought we're going to do a big RSVP system, you know, you're going to have to wait for a seat, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a waiter at the door that shows you to your, your table, whatever, but people didn't come. I forgot that, so there was that window when you could return actually indoors yeah, it was, for a time. Yeah, it was weird, so we had 30 people in the building, 40 in the, peop- in the building, and it felt kind of strange. Um, How many does the church normally hold? It'll, it'll hold 150. Okay. And so, so what's, what's interesting about that is the people that were really wanting to come back didn't want to wear a mask. So they didn't come. And then the people that were still cautious, they didn't come. So we only had the swath of people that were right in the Somewhere middle between that were like the two. moderates are like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll show up. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so you have one-third of your population is willing to show up. Wow, wow. I mean, that's what we forget is uh, I've heard of other churches that took surveys of members, and, and there was, you know, it was almost split between oh, people yeah. that wanted 50, 50. Yeah. yeah, there was no easy answer. That didn't shine any light on a solution, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what, okay, so tell me what after that? So then we know in July cases um, suddenly yeah. start to come up here. Governor comes in, and, and to some people, what's shocking me, I'll admit, and you know, reinstituted some of those original rules. Mm-hmm. You know, saying you could not gather in, uh, indoors, but then allowed some of these allowances for outdoor services. Yeah. Now, yeah. how how did you approach that? How yeah. would... So we moved slow. We didn't okay. change yeah. that week. We said, okay, let's let's meet one more week. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out because we want to do what's best for the church. And what's best for the community, yeah. and we want to take what take into account what the governor says, but he's not ultimately in charge of my life. 
so it, it was a, you know, we wanted to slow the train down, get our leaders together, pray, talk, what are we going to do? And we decided to begin meeting outside, and it took us a week and a half to get that dialed in. Because there's we, a lot of planning that goes into it, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Give me an idea of just trying to organize oh, yeah. all that and how many ch- chairs And then you you're wear. moving a live stream outdoors, okay. which is a little bit of a challenge. And then you've got a... Well, that's a great point because you have this audience that is now yeah. counting on you online. That's yeah. A good point. yeah. And, and it's hard to know who to prioritize. Do you prioritize the people that are in front of you mm-hmm. or the people that are far away because they both matter? Yeah. Uh, so And we also have to figure out shade and sound. And do you have a band? Do you not have a band? Where do you sit everybody? Do you touch their chairs? And then, and then going through the rules of distancing and cleanliness and sanitizing. And, you know, there were just some things that the county wanted us to do to make it safe, which I don't blame them, yeah. but it takes time to put that together. Of course. And so we just came up with a plan uh, that, that, that really honors the spirit of the law. Okay. We want to keep people safe. Yeah. We want to make people feel welcome. People need to see each other and be together. So let's figure out a way that does that that doesn't put the community at risk. So what are you doing now? Can you kind so of we meet that? outdoors. Okay. On, on, right on the... On, on the property. It's actually funny. It's right in front of the meeting, you know, the sanctuary where we normally meet. Okay, so you didn't have to go far yeah, away. it's just right there. Yeah. But it's a big oak tree that's beautiful and some other trees that give shade. And, and, and people are sitting out under, you know, wherever they can find shade, they're sitting. Yeah. And then we have a couple canopies that we set up and we have the door open and blow air, air conditioning out on the patio. Um, but it's been, it's been great. And I think one of the... One of the huge highlights for me the last two weeks is people yeah. coming back after not seeing each other for months, and they're some of the cautious ones, yeah. and they and they just come up to me and they're like, that was so good. Wow. Like, I missed yeah. being with real live people, yeah. and I missed, like, worship in public, and I missed being together and praying, and I missed this whole, this whole thing. Yeah. And so it was really special, and they're like, I mean, they're getting emotional. Because they didn't realize how much they missed it until they got there, and they're like, "This was important." Wow. So it's pretty cool. And so you are starting to see people slowly yeah. come back under they're that setting. Uh, were you t- tell me, um, and then we'll, then we'll get to what I probably call the elephant in the room. But were, was there ever a time where you were close to wanting to to not to just go back, forget the rules, and, and maybe why not? I mean, and just because I'm sure there are people like you said in the beginning, let's go back, let's go back. Were you ever challenged or thought about, I'm just going to defy this thing, throw my hands up? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and especially you've got people, we have people in, in our church and in leadership that see it, you know, in opposite directions. Yeah. Probably the most challenging thing about this whole season uh, was not the beginning. It was kind of the developments of the last two months, which is the polarization of, you know, is COVID dangerous? Is it not? Am I going to wear a mask? Am I not? Uh, are we going to gather on Sunday and and uh, ignore the governor or not? How do I feel about black lives? Or, you know, or that's not my priority. Yeah. Uh, what about Democrat, Republican with an election coming? It seems like the the challenging part mm-hmm. was not at the very beginning. It's, it's now. And also with the, you know, uh, our business is going to be in trouble now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is a much more important fight than the, are the churches going to gather. Churches are gathering, but some businesses are not. Yeah. And so we have a way of getting it done. And, I mean, if we look back at the early church, they gathered wherever they could. They were super nimble. 
Sometimes the governor liked, sometimes the government liked them, sometimes the government wanted to kill them. So they just found a way to make it work. Yeah. They weren't really worried about that. They just yeah. went, let's go gather underground. Okay, let's go gather by the lake. Okay. Yeah. They just figured out ways in houses and temporary or not. Um, and I think churches around the world do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think in America, we're a little more, you know, uptight about the way that we do it. Yeah. And I think in other places in the world, they're like, just gather. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so... I get it. Um, I do want to ask: have, have you had, and if you don't mind, uh, any has it personally touched you yet? Uh, COVID? Do you have a family member, a loved one, a member of the church? Do you know? Because I think that is a challenge. Because in this area, we haven't seen the kind of at least cases per capita we've seen in, in larger cities in New York and downtown Los Angeles. Have you? Know oh yeah. Anyone? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it was the second week that we were meeting indoors uh, that my father-in-law came down with COVID and was hospitalized, went in an ambulance, and he lives with us. So this is, like, close to home. He, yeah, he lives in my house, so he gets rushed off, can't breathe, put on a ventilator that night. Like, hello. So I had people in my church saying, COVID's a hoax, you know, this isn't real. And I'm like, maybe you should go talk to my father-in-law about this, because he would disagree. So so he he's in the hospital, so then I have to make a decision because we had people over at our house. Yeah. Like, we had some of our leaders recording a live stream thing. Yeah. They got exposed. I got exposed. So we didn't go to the building gathering that weekend. We just said, we're, ta- we're going online this week, everybody. Yeah. So we're going to protect you, and we don't want to spread this thing. Oh, my God. And so uh, he, he, he miraculously recovered, but we, it looked like we were going to lose him. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it hit pretty close to home. <laughs> more serious interviews would probably have done prep and been ready for that answer well I did not know that I'm sorry I'm so glad he's doing yeah. better but so so my goodness so when people say that to you I mean it must really when people say you know this is all for nothing this is about control this is about shutting down the church that must you must take feel personally about well that. everybody's entitled to their opinion yeah mine's right yeah. and theirs isn't right <laughs> yeah <laughs> But that's scary. I mean, so he, I mean, how many days was he in the hospital? A uh, month. Yeah, it took a while. And then he had to go somewhere else before coming back to us. So he did a, uh, he did a rehab home for a bit. Does he have any idea where he may have been exposed? Does he know? Probably or? going to the doctor. Wow. So, wow. ironic. Were there any other cases out of that? Or no. you Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, I uh, I do appreciate you coming on and your willingness to talk about what you know a lot of people in the valley are talking about and really now across the state um, and further is what is going on with with God speak mm-hmm. in Newbury Park um, and, and and it's Pastor Rob McCoy who has been meeting indoors now since May really so even before you know uh, I mean for an extended period of time and it's only really now become major news. Um, with the county taking some action, and, and we've been reporting a lot on that. Um, first, can you can you just tell me, you know, now you have a, a long history with Rob. I mean, yeah, yeah. it was really interesting. I was in our, um, getting ready for this interview, and I saw an article we did about your father, Larry, and we quoted Rob, and he had called mm-hmm. him, the, you know, the Bishop of the Caneo. So yeah. I mean, he knows your family. He knows you. I mean, what, what is the history there between you? Yeah, well, we've, we've been good friends for years, and uh, he's been part of our pastor group that gathers once a month to pray and have breakfast and chat. And then actually four of us, that are pastors in the community, we text each other Saturday and Sunday um, pretty regularly just to check in and say, hey, dude, hope the morning goes great for you. You know, anything I can pray about? 
or like you know um, Tom Stefan at Monte Vista Presbyterian he'll, he'll text out like hey I'm just doing my little prayer walk this morning it's like 6.15 and thinking about you guys wow. and love you guys and it's that's great so yeah Rob and I are both part of that that little group of four that's been going on for years and so we yeah we knew what was going to happen on Good Friday when they were gathering yeah. and had some concerns and expressed those and had great conversation about it yeah. and we understood kind of like here's where he's going to go mm-hmm. um, you know and this is his calling to mm-hmm. go after this thing mm-hmm. and then I felt like that's not my calling to go after that as I prayed about it thought about it I'm going to do my approach differently than that, but I'm not going to judge him for doing that. Yeah. I'm just going to try to understand, like, why are you doing this again? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and so it's been, I don't think it's put a lot of tension on our relationship. Because he didn't really seek, I mean, did he seek anyone's approval to do no. it? I mean, no, right? I mean, he no. didn't ask. And... Yeah, but it hasn't, it hasn't broken friendships. Okay. It hasn't caused some big division. Yeah. in the pastors and churches in our community. Okay. Uh, I think it's created some controversy yeah. and some... Uh, I think that there is some disunity among uh, some of the Christians within each church. Of course. Or it's not church versus church. It's more like, here's how I see it, mm-hmm. and you should see it that way. Yeah. And then the other person says, no, yeah. I'm going to see it this way. Yeah. So there is some tension um, that has come out of this whole thing, but it's not just because of Rob. It's a little bit of a bigger picture of, are we going to do what the governor says or not as Christians? And that's a hard one. Well, I'm sure prior to this, I'm sure there's a lot of thinking that you guys have aligned on, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the role Christianity should play. I mean, you touch on it as we need acts, we need action, you know, and that's in your community. And, and I think Rob has interpreted that as, more political action. We need um, we need people to vote and get involved that way. But in a way, you guys both are, are kind of saying the same thing: is that it's got to go beyond these walls. Um, but can you be on? How has it impacted your job and your ability as a pastor right here in Thousand Oaks and in this community where where God Speak operates? Has it or has it yeah. maybe impacted your ability? To- I think it has complicated things for some of my people. Mm-hmm. So I. I remember having a conversation a few weeks ago with a couple of people that are part of my church saying, we should be doing this too, and here's why. And then, uh, and you should be taking the same step, you know, lead us the same way that Rob is leading his people, you know, get off your rear end and let's do this thing. And then the very next day, I had people thanking me for not doing that. And, And it continues to be like that where it's, you know, we're missing the boat, we need to be fighting for our religious liberty, and then other people saying, thank you that we're not fighting this fight, <clears throat> because this isn't really religious persecution, and let's, let's guard the health and reputation, uh, let's guard the health of the community and the reputation of, of Jesus and the church, mm-hmm. and that's more important than taking on the governor right now. Mm-hmm. So it's been difficult leading for a lot of us that are pastors um just having the the two camps yeah. in our churches yeah camping out wow have you had some members go over to god speak is that i mean that's a, an issue as well right yeah I mean, we, we've people... had people visit okay um and and i i i applaud rob because he he did say recently hey a bunch of you are visiting yeah. to support this cause he did 
go back to don't stick around he did and so I, I applaud him for that because yeah. yeah there there are people from a bunch of area churches mm -hmm. that are going to support him and the mm -hmm. cause yeah. and yeah it would be a shame to lose those leaders and and uh, and those members in our congregations yeah because yeah. we need them yeah, I mean, I what and he's you know again I think he's been clear from the beginning in saying you know I'm not passing judgment uh, on any of the other churches. This is my decision. This is our decision as a church. But it's it's hard to look at that. I'm sure for believers and say you know why is his faith more resolute? Is he is there something that they're stronger believers? Is he reading it, it differently? So I mean, I guess the discussion that that we need to have is how do you see it from a biblical perspective? Now I've yeah. heard I've heard Rob's argument probably for two months now so yeah. i know that really well how, how do you yeah. approach with people from when you look to the bible uh, in terms of answers for this yeah. yeah i i start with the book of james and james talks about godly wisdom and the results of godly wisdom and so you can you can prove in scripture a lot of different things <laughs> people will argue opposite you know uh they, they can fight over the Bible and using the Bible against each other till they're blue in the Same face. Same passages. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think wisdom is the first part, and and I love how James talks about how uh, God's wisdom is pure, and it's peaceable, and it's submissive, and it has good fruit, and it 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 trusts the other person. It gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. So, so I really like starting with that, and then we can look at all the passages in the Scripture, and then we can say, we need wisdom. Because you couldn't see it both ways. Yeah. So, I mean, literally the scripture talks about in Hebrews, don't stop meeting together. So it does, it, and, it's, and, and then it says, some people have stopped meeting together. Don't do that. Yeah. And then it says in Acts, um, who are we supposed to obey, God or, or people? Yeah. And it's a rhetorical question. We're supposed to obey God. Yeah. And, and, then, and, and so you have this pattern also in, in uh, Paul's writings all through the New Testament, where he talks about when you gather, when you assemble, when you get together, when the church gathers, there's this expectation that you're together. Yeah. Now, he doesn't define, are you in a house, or are you in a field, or are you in a building? Because there were no pews, there were no church buildings when he wrote that. But he's saying you have to gather. That's part of our faith. And so one of the discussions right now is, is digital gathering? Is Zoom gathering? Yeah. Is Facebook gathering? Yeah. Sort of. But there needs to be digital and physical. The Bible doesn't talk about digital very much. <laughs> they don't go into that. But psychology does. That yeah. We do need physical yeah. and not just digital. Yeah. So, so I think you have this case which says, you know, you must gather as believers, you know, and if God tells you to do something, you do it, even if the governor says no. That's but tough. then yeah. you have passages that say, uh, like in, in Titus 3, it says, submit to your rulers and authorities. Romans 13, be subject to the government because it is set up by God. That's come up a lot. Mm, yeah. And and 1 Peter 2 actually talks about the emperor and the governor. And it says, hey, there are two entities that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. And Peter was saying, be subject to them. And here's the interesting thing. That was the emperor who would kill him. So Peter was saying, be subject to that guy, Nero, who was one of the worst worst rulers in history. That was the Hitler of their day. Mm -hmm. And he said, be subject to that guy and his governors. Which is like mind-blowing, right? We're talking about the stakes versus yeah. now and then. Wow. Yeah. And But Tim, first Timothy talks about praying for government officials. I think what's, what's happening on Facebook right now is really sad. 
that a lot of um, Christians are villainizing government officials and calling names of people in power and making people feel, uh, or they're saying that that person is stupid, unintelligent, unspiritual, un, yeah. un, 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 un yeah. rather than praying for the person who is in that position, that they would have wisdom, that they would lead well, that they would know what God would have them do mm-hmm. that's best for our community. Yeah. And, and I would love to see that kind of uh, movement happen yeah. where we would challenge each other and say, can you just relax with all of the attacking yeah. and try to start praying for that person because that will actually do something? And then in Romans 12, it says, as, as much as it's possible, be at peace with everybody. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's a really high priority for some people right now, especially people are feeling pressure, mm-hmm. feeling stressed, mm-hmm. all the, you know, uh, everything's am- ambiguous about the future, there's so many unknowns. So, so people are grouchy and mean and impatient. Yeah. And I think right now when you say, wait a minute, what does peace look like? And if I don't agree with you, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. I want to try to understand where are you coming from mm-hmm. and why. And can you try to understand where I'm coming from and why? Mm-hmm. Can we still be brothers? Can we still live in the community? Can we still be, uh, you know, partners in healing this place? Like, yeah. like I noticed after Borderline and after fires, um, there was a rallying of our community like we'd never seen before to heal the community. We had a common goal. There was a rallying of the pastors and the churches, and it was like, let's heal this community. Let's get it done. And, and I feel like some of that, has been eroded, and and my hope and prayer is that it wouldn't go away. That it would come back. That we'd remember. Oh wait, we're in this together. Yeah. We're not in this against each other. We're in this together. Yeah. So let's sort this out, and let's let's figure out ways to work together and understand each other. Yeah. And I think you know. Do you feel? I mean, does it feel like? I mean, and this is what I hear is, and with different pastor stances, is I mean, do you feel? It, what the state is doing is an attack on the church. I mean, is it is it a way to limit the church? Is it some way to limit its influence, its its impact on people? Do you see it that way? What these restrictions are doing, or, or no? Here's how I'd answer that question: If if making the church um, as if the if I see the church as just as important as another business yeah. or another entity and culture, yeah. if that's persecution, then yes. If, but if seeing the church as just another business and treating them like a movie theater or a pizza place mm-hmm. or a haircutting salon, mm-hmm. if that's not persecution, then no. And I would, I would say if someone in China had the opportunity of their church being seen like a pizza place, they would celebrate. They would yeah. say, we are so stoked that we're not being persecuted now because you yeah. see us like everybody else. Yeah. And so I don't think this is persecution right now. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, if I were to broadly use the word persecution, I think it's persecution and overstep of the government in all businesses or in most businesses, Costco and Walmart excluded, um, Amazon excluded. But I think the real fight is we're going to lose the mom and pop restaurants and businesses and they will never come back. And uh, my mom got got a letter from her nail salon the lady was apologizing and saying, I had to let my 20 people go finally, and we're closing our doors, and we, we, we can't come back. Yeah. And I just want to let my clients know we love you. We yeah. wish we could do this. You know, I apologize. It was, it was really heartbreaking, um, that, but beautiful that someone cared about the community enough to say, I'm sorry. 
we've done the best we can, but we're out of here. Yeah. And and I think for the church, our goal needs to be to defend the businesses. Not just our businesses, but all businesses. And if we have a voice, and we do, let's unite it, and let's say the, the, the spiritual impact, the yeah. emotional, the psychological impact of all those businesses shutting, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So so it's not, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to fight the battle of you got to meet in my building. I'm going to fight the battle of all those people are being negatively impacted by the government, and that's really important. Fascinating. Where do you, I mean, taking a, aside for a minute what's going to happen with Godspeak, because I guess we really don't know, other than it seems clear that we'll continue to meet. Um, where do you start to see what is the path forward for the church going to be? Is it are we going to get back to where we were eventually? Or are there things that are going to change forever? Do you think, Kirk? Or and certainly yeah. things that you've learned and in technology that you're going to keep and you okay. kind of talk about maybe six months, a year, two years. Where? Yeah, I think pre-COVID, uh, the American church wasn't working that well already. So I think this is an opportunity that churches and pastors have to reboot the system and say, as we go, as we look at 2021 and beyond, who do we want to be? And how can we really minister to people and serve people and help people moving forward? And that could look very different than how it has looked the last 50 years. So that's a scary and really exciting thing. And, and I think it has to do with um, probably the, the gathered and scattered are two good words. So Sunday morning has been king. Maybe Sunday morning isn't king anymore. Maybe people in their homes and people meeting in parks and people meeting online and all kinds of different gatherings, mm-hmm. you know, uh, recovery groups. Maybe there's all kinds of different ways people can gather, not just on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that intrigues me is the physical digital. We have to have both. And, and the church has traditionally hasn't done a very great job in the digital realm. So I think that we're going to grow it, church, churches and, and leaders that are willing mm-hmm. are going to grow into that yeah. and there will be a learning curve where we will do some things well and we'll do some things poorly yeah. but I think it would be dumb to expect businesses to not go back to normal and churches all go back to normal yeah. no, yeah. The, the whole culture is going through shift and change yeah. some of that will be good yeah. and probably a lot of it will be hard mm-hmm. I think you make a great point. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is your church is going to survive, and, and hopefully all of them will as well. But, but the businesses, I mean, that is, they may go and not come back. And I, and I think that's a real interesting point that a lot of people aren't making. It. Um, but, I mean, have you I mean, have you talked to other pastors that are worried? I mean, you've been established for a while, but are there new, are there, I hate to look at church from a financial standpoint, but are there ones that may Oh, not for sure. Be, okay. I, I think, so what for, I mean, what for them, though? I mean, yeah. that... Ugh. I think there are two aspects of this. One is this this has created a lot of shuffling in churches. And normally we have a lot of church hopping in Ventura County. It's you know, it's one of the sports that people have on Sundays. But but I I've been guilty. Yeah. But some people right now are going to shift churches. Yeah. Some people are not going to come back because they like not, you know, they like the freedom. Some people are going to stick with digital because it's easier to be in my pajamas and slippers with my latte. So why are you worried about that? I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think eventually they'll realize, wait, you know, I do, I do actually need real people in my life. Maybe I'll come back. And then I think during this time, we'll also 
some new people will show up that were, you know, that were, uh, in, you know, that got grabbed through digital. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, they, they can see, hey, we're meeting under an oak tree. That's not so scary. Mm-hmm. The people there look nice. Maybe I could do that. And six feet dif- distance, you know, hey, that's great. I don't, no one's in my business. You know, maybe yeah. it's a safe time to go try out something. Yeah. So I think there'll be a lot of shuffling. Yeah. Uh, but I think that in the long run, the economic effect will probably be the thing that crushes a bunch of churches and will probably begin in the inner city where you have a lot less means and you have people that can't weather a storm like this. So I think there's going to be a ripple effect of closing churches and probably merging churches moving forward. And we haven't seen any of that yet. But again, if that's going to happen to businesses... That's going to happen to the faith communities. Really quickly to go back, I mean, you know, Rob has pointed out there's new people darkening the doors, and that he's mm-hmm. he's people he hasn't seen before. And look, I'm bringing more people to Jesus, and and you guys share that same goal. What what about that? That is 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 it what he's doing? Is it also an opportunity? I mean, how do yeah. you? He, I'm going to reach the mask wearers, and he's going to reach the non-mask wearers. Wow. Simple as that. Wow. Yeah. Crazy that would come to that. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming in, Kirk, and, and, and giving me some time on this. And I know some people are going to be, you know, just probably, again, people are going to be thrilled to hear what you have to say. And then again, some people that will disagree with you. Um, but I think it's important, you know, we are a big faith community here. And we were talking before we started recording just about um, the role that we're blessed living in a, in a community, the Caneo Valley and really Ventura County where the church and houses of worship still play such a big role in, in our daily lives. Um, and that has not changed. I mean, that's one thing I can speak as the other of the acorn and see that. Um, and, and, and that gives me a, a lot of hope. And, and I think it's important and I, I appreciate you coming on and just being able to share your story and show that we get, everyone's a little bit different, you know, and I'm sure I could bring someone else on and they would have a different way of looking at this, but I appreciate you, you know, We'll be able to explain where you're at on this, and I think people respect that. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. I I love being here, and I, I love the acorn. I'll go on. I'll go on. Uh, oh, I didn't on ask for that, but okay. That. But I, I feel like it's a great opportunity for yeah. people of faith and for everybody yeah. to show empathy, yeah. to try to understand each other rather than throw grenades yeah. uh, on Facebook or in person. And, and it's time to bring some healing in our community and because we need each other. We're going to be, uh, as, I, as I look at the next six months, we're going to need each other more, not less. Yeah. So let's, let's celebrate the place that we live. Let's love the place that we live. And let's be really good neighbors. I think that's, I think that's next. That's great. Last question. Now, will you text Rob and then let him know you're on here? <laughs> will you get of on course. that group text? Okay. Of course. <laughs> yeah, and, oh. yeah. And if people want to find us. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, the easiest way is caneochurch.com and uh, and we're on Facebook and Instagram and if you're looking for somewhere to show up uh, or to connect with you know we'd love to have you part of our our live stream on Sunday mornings at 10 or right at 480 West Gainsborough to show up and come hang out under the trees with us and uh, I think you'll have a you'll have a great experience I'm in walking distance I might just have to do it yeah do I it I have to do it well, Kirk, thanks again okay All thank right. you so, a lot, we delved into a whole lot there, uh, as you can see, um, it was just, it was, I guess it was refreshing to get a different 
a take on this. We've, like you said, we have been focused on God speak and Rob McCoy, and we've heard for weeks now his arguments, um, both biblically and constitutionally, for why the church has decided to defy the order to to meet out, uh, to not meet indoors and meet outdoors. Uh, and so it was, I guess, interesting to hear someone else's take on that. You know, yeah. I mean, you you and I have d- discussed a lot about you know where we stand on this. Every time I talk to someone, they get a different opinion. Uh, on, on what's going on, what Rob's doing. And so, again, just interesting to hear what Kirk was saying. And I thought his focus on businesses, he's saying, you know, churches, most are going to be able to survive this. We can still, you know, meet outdoors. We can still operate and function. Businesses can't, you know, and a lot of the businesses that are gone aren't coming back. And I guess that was interesting to hear him focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, um, I, I appreciate getting a perspective from somebody in the same community somebody who actually has uh, a dog in the fight quote unquote yeah no I, yeah i think he, like you said last week about rob having a little more flexibility in his space i think kirk is is speaking from what the average pastor is, is contending with here and deciding whether to go back you know when how they're going to do outdoor services everything like that and that's the reality for, i think for most whether it's you know temples synagogues mosques right now is just that balancing act they're doing and i think he really shined a light on that so uh i know next week uh i'm hoping to focus in on schools going back i think all of our major districts we're covering will be back in session by the time you and i talk next ian Uh, i know you did some reporting on oak park they're already back right yeah oak park started uh, a week ago today Got it. So Canoe Valley uh, is going back this week. Simi Valley, I think Pleasant Valley, all of them will be back. So we're hoping to have someone on that can shine a little perspective on, yeah, getting back to class, how they're going to make this remote instruction work. Uh, my, my my daughter's a senior at Agora High School, so she'll be back in school this week. We'll see what that's like. Um, but I know that's something also on uh, everyone's mind as well. So uh, thanks for sticking along with us. I know it's a little bit longer, but uh, again, I thought we had a lot to talk about. Uh, this is Kyle Jory, editor of the Thousand Oaks Acorn. Find me on Twitter at Kyle B. Jory. Uh, this is Ian Bradley. I am a reporter for the Acorn newspapers. Uh, you can find me online at Ian underscore reports. That's I-A-N. I think I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to bring the spelling back. <laughs> Email us. Follow us. Subscribe. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Email us at branchingout at theacorn.com. Find, uh, find the podcast on Twitter at branchingoutpod. Um, I feel like we should be hawking merch and stuff, too, like <laughs> T-shirts and mugs. <laughs> We're getting there. We have a new logo we revealed. I don't know. I haven't gotten much feedback on that. I don't... Well, let's get out of here because I have a bunch of work to do today, including this podcast. So uh, call. let's call it. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you all next week. Uh, and uh, don't hesitate to reach out. All right, thanks. Thanks.